0: This is Corolla Digital.
1: Hello, my little sesame sticks. It's me, Allison. I want to tell you guys about a couple things before the show officially starts. So last night I was messing around on Twitter and I found Mindy Cohn's Twitter feed. You probably know this, but if you don't, that's Natalie from Facts of Life. And in case you're brand new to me, brand, brand new, because it's one of the first things people know about me, Facts of Life is is and was my favorite TV show ever. So, of course, I had to, well, I had to follow Natalie. And then I was looking around her Twitter feed, and I found Mackenzie Astin, who played Andy. So then I followed him. And then later I looked at my phone, and I discovered that Mindy Cohn and Mackenzie Astin were both following me. And I was like, yes, it is all happening. It's all coming together. But then this morning I looked at Mindy Cohn's Twitter feed again, or at her page, And she was no longer following me, which made me think, was it all just a beautiful dream? But no, for a minute there, she was following me and I didn't even tweet. So I hesitated to bring it up because I don't want a bunch of people tweeting her, asking her what the hell, because it's, I'm okay, really. I will live. I just wonder, what's the deal? Do some people just follow and then decide to unfollow real fast? Gary, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's very weird. It, it seems like maybe she... Uh,
1: Accidentally followed me and then <laughs> thought better of it?
0: Yeah. Sorry, I, I, feel, I realize that comes off kind of shitty, but... No, it's it, okay. That seems like maybe what happened. That she, w- Well, was she following you when you initially followed her? No.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If that had been the case, that would be so cool, but no. I mean, huh. I think that she saw that I was following her and then...
0: Added you and then that's didn't, what get I enough, thought. didn't get enough duckling goodness, so unfollowed you immediately?
1: I guess. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't even tweet in between the maybe time. Maybe was your mistake. But she only follows a hundred people. Mia Farrow was the last one she followed. Huh. So maybe she was. You know what? I I want to think that it was. She was like, I want to maintain the integrity of the one hundred, not the hundred and one. I don't know. I don't know. For anyone listening, that was Dawson. There's a little bit of Dawson in this special intro. Anyway, so that was kind of a bummer. Um, But I am going to just – hey, Dawson, what's up? (laughs) You can talk into the microphone because you're now on this. Okay, hi. Is that one on? No, I don't think so. Oh, it is. What are you doing?
0: I just left my microphone here in the studio. Oh, okay. And I so had just, to come and get it. Got it. So sorry I, to come in.
1: And that's okay. You. That's okay. I just know myself well enough, and I have to address it because if I try, because otherwise, in my head, I'm like, don't talk about it, don't look about it, don't think about it. Just stick with what you're saying. Stick with what you're saying. And then suddenly, I've I, I can't talk about facts of life anymore. I'm I'm all Dawson all the time.
0: Well, I'm very very sorry to disturb you. Gary said it would be 15 <laughs> minutes before you're done, and I can't wait that long.
1: It's to- it's it's totally okay. Thank you. Take your microphone. All right. And go. You go on now. Have Get a out wonderful of here. Evening. And you as well. For anyone who doesn't know, Dawson does uh, the VO for all of Corolla Digital. He has that gravelly voice because when he was young, he had um did he have a tracheotomy or I don't know I don't know what it, exactly it was. He was in the hospital because he had something Something with, with a name that I knew at one point. Something peninuria or something. God damn it. Thrombocytopenuria. I don't know what it is. Something like that. And then something happened and now he has a voice. He used to have a female voice. Anyway, um. also I want to give you guys an Oliver update. Oliver is the puppy. And Gary asked me earlier Uh, how Oliver was doing. And I said, good. And then I said, well, I'll just tell you guys because you guys have been wanting to know. We have now had him for a whole week. He's so cute. I think he's bigger than when we got him. Uh, And last night was a a breakthrough for a moment because on his own, he wandered over or or like went with force actually over to the pee pad and peed. And we're like, oh my God, it's working. He's getting it. But then it was a very short-lived uh, triumph because I would say about, I don't know, no less than 10, no more than 10 minutes later, he was trying to take a little poop on the carpet, but luckily we we caught him uh, fast enough and then we just moved him over to the right place. But I said to Daniel, because I'm fun these days, I said, this is our fault. This is our fault. So that was kind of like a one step forward, two steps back thing. But he does know how to sit uh, and it's very cute. And... Uh, we are leash trained. We're trying to get him used to a leash. I feel like there's probably a good way to do this, and I don't know what it is, but he sort of seemingly gets it, kind of. Anyway, I think we have time for a uh, iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes
2: comments. Allison wants them, yes she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments, and don't forget to click five stars.
0: All right, this week's iTunes comment of the week comes from Emily D. 111 and it is entitled Love You! Exclamation point. I look forward to this show every week. I'm at a desk eight hours a day with, no, with one headphone in my ear listening to podcasts, and this is one of my faves. I can't really laugh at, out loud, being at work and all, but when I was listening to the Melissa Stetton episode, and Allison said, I have two rules for myself. The first is that I cannot ask a magic eight ball any morbid questions, <laughs> I burst out laughing. My only wish is that I could hear your voice more on The Adam Carolla Show.
1: Thank you so much. That is a very nice comment. Um, and now I'm wondering. I wasn't there a P.S. though, a P.S. that complimented you, Gary. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I, I'm not being modest this time. No okay. mention. <laughs>
1: Well, oftentimes, okay. Thanks for pointing so that something, out. It. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. No, um, thank you, Emily. It's a very nice comment, and I appreciate it. And now I want to know what my second rule for myself was because what if I'm not I thought following the same it? Thing.
0: I, I can't remember. We yeah. record these things so far in advance. I know. I mean, Melissa feels like it was two years ago. It definitely right. wasn't. No, but I know. Still, there's so much content we listen to. Yeah yeah
1: I'm sure it was something great but anyway so something that you guys don't know is that oftentimes in the comments there will be a PS where someone will say something nice about Gary and then Gary will not relay that when he does the when he reads the comment because he's modest Hence I thought that was the case but turns out I'm wrong she doesn't have anything nice to say about Gary <laughs> okay, yeah. fan phone call Want a fan? We will be calling Dory.
2: Hi, you've reached Dory Green. I can't get to my phone. Please give me a message. Thanks. Bye. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press
1: 1 for more options. Hey, Dory, it's Allison from Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. Also, Gary is here, and we are calling you as part of the fan phone call segment. But alas, you did not answer. And also, did you record your outgoing message in a wind tunnel? Just wondering. But sometimes that happens to me too. And I'll be like, I'm just standing in my room. Why is it so windy? And also, it, this reminds me that when I was in college, I would record so many different outgoing voicemails. And then I'd hit a race. Then I'd record another one. And then hit a race. And then another one. And hit a race. Because I had to be just clever enough. Gary?
0: Yeah, I uh I never tried to get that clever on my I feel uh, like it
1: was a generational thing. Like that was the hip thing to do. Like my roommate and I, she had the Brady Bunch soundtrack somehow and it was like it's Jan, it's Peter, it's Titra, it's cetera and then we were like it's Allison, it's Melanie.
0: Yeah, no, I I I am familiar. aware of this phenomenon of the catchy Right, voicemail jingle. Like, I
1: can't come to the phone right now. I'm underwater. Anyway, I'm gonna ha- um Okay, bye, Dory. Sorry that we didn't get a chance to talk to you, but not as sorry as you are probably, unless you hate us. Okay, bye. Um, yeah. What were we saying? The the clever thing that was a whole thing.
0: Uh, well, yeah. You know, I was going with clever until the underwater thing. That doesn't sound that clever. It
1: wasn't that clever. I never had that one, but I knew someone else who had it. Yeah, I think and right. I, I, I think my sister
0: and my cousin were in that. That thing where they had the catchy Yeah. I, I don't know, I never I've never had a home phone. So
1: God you're young. Well I have a home phone now, uh and I just had to record the outgoing thing which brought back all the, the aforementioned memories and then I realized I don't even know how to check the messages from far away. So I had to look that up. This is this is scintillating. This is part of why my podcast is so successful. And by the way, Gary, have you noticed um, how we are burning up the charts these days? Yeah, We're doing really well. It. Thank you so much, listeners. I assume it's it's all of you and it's you telling people and it's you guys subscribing and leaving good comments and whatnot. Well, I think you should
0: get some credit too for booking some great guests and having really excellent interviews the last few, oh, few weeks. Not that, they, not that they aren't always excellent, but we've had some really good guests and you've drawn interesting sides out of them.
1: Thank you so much. You know what else I think it might be because I'm cynical? Our iTunes feed was kind of, um, pardon my French, fucked up in that it it wasn't updating accurately and finally it's fixed seemingly fingers crossed and i'm hope i'm wondering if somehow all the downloads and whatnot like weren't going through if that if the feed, the fact that the feed was fucked could have had anything to do with it because it seems like all of a sudden we're uh well i mean it
0: could if certainly um Placement is higher you know i've had frustrations with other podcasts itunes feeds before and i unsubscribe and resubscribe so yeah that could be affecting the no. algorithms but uh I think that you've had a really good quality of guests lately. I think that's that and the quality of the interviews has been largely to blame for our success.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. Um, thrombocytopenia is the word I was trying to come up with before. And I have no idea if that is the right word or not, but it's just the one that I was trying to come up with before. Anyway, uh, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at GoToMeeting. We love Go To Meeting. We love Citrix. Let's say your coworker sends you an email saying, could you please come in? I need to meet with you about such and such. And you're thinking, I'm sitting in a bathtub. I do not want to have to get out and go in and sit face to face when I could have the exact same effective interaction with you from the comfort of my computer. Now, you probably are going to want to get out of the bathtub in order to actually have the online meeting, but there's no need to put on pants, and there's certainly no need to put on trousers or slacks or pantaloons. You could you could have a meeting in sweatpants. I've done it. I have had a meeting in sweatpants, and ill-fitting ones at that, and no one was the wiser. Um, but you know you can also meet from it doesn't have to be your, your home it could be vacation it could be anywhere the point is with go to meeting which is a powerfully simple solution to not you know being able to get face to face in person. You now can meet from the comfort and the convenience of wherever you are. And there's HD video, so you see each other crystal clear. You can collaborate on documents. You can give each other control of the screen. So it's really anything you can do in person, you can do by meeting online. Except if the person smells, you don't have to smell them. So it's just win-win for you. And you can use GoToMeeting from your iPad. You can even host meetings from your iPad. Start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. My listeners, that's you guys, can try it free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com. Click on the Try It Free button and use the promo code Allison. That's GoToMeeting.com, promo code Allison. Try it free today. Okay, here is part one of my interview with T.J. Miller. I love T.J. Miller. He is um, dreamy and hilarious and smart and funny and fun. And uh, I think that you guys will love it. I sure did. And I love you. Is there anything else I need to say to them? I feel like I'm all over the place tonight, just like Dawson with his microphone. What? Oh, yes. We were just really letting it all hang out. But I feel like I can do that with you guys because I love you. And by the way, this is just – I'm not going to go into this for very long. I'm just going to go into it for one second. I tweeted yesterday about how much I loved – The last week's episode of Girls, and I was surprised at how polarizing it was. And then I kind of got into it with some people on Twitter about that episode. It's the one with Patrick Wilson. So I'm just wondering, what did you guys think about that episode? Let me know. Okay. I also want to remind you guys that if you need more Alison Rosen is your new best friend, which you do because, frankly, this large amount you're getting? Not enough. Uh, why not get the bonus episode, the bonus live episode from the LA PodFest with guests Doug Benson and Greg Proops, and that is available for the wee price of $1.99 in the Comedy Album section of the iTunes store. Okay, here is part one of the TJ Miller episode. Download part two on Thursday. I love you. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to Allison Rosen is your new best friend. My guest today is comedian, actor, all around, really nice and funny guy, T.J. Miller. Hello. Welcome. Hello. I have to say, in the short time you've been here, you, I think you've been nicer than almost everyone else who's come in. Is that
3: true? I like to hope and think and wish that people think that I'm nice and that they don't secretly behind my back say terrible things. I would Some never. Some must. You know.
1: Have you ever heard? Have you heard things that people have said about you? Well,
3: people keep telling. You know, I, I live with my housemate and uh, love partner, Cheryl,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, is that your girlfriend?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, of sorts. You know, <laughs> I change light bulbs and replace uh, uh, toilet paper rolls for her, and in exchange, I get to have intercourse with her and live in her home.
1: Right. Do you uh, put uh, down the seat?
3: Uh, yeah. Because oh, yeah.
1: I had a boyfriend who did that and then one day he mentioned to me that I never comment on it mm. and don't I appreciate it. And I was See, like, that's the
3: wrong way to go about it. I yeah. t- I, I learned myself, I taught myself to uh, always urinate sitting down with my legs up in the air. Oh, in case there's snakes that level. shoot out of the bottom yeah. of the
1: toilet or is that yeah. just I look. Me? I
3: look as if I sort of – you know, have fallen into – I fell in. When right. people are like, would you fall in? I say, <laughs> in fact, I did. I, But I made myself fall in. It's
1: smart. It sounds like you look like Lily Tomlin in that giant chair from a yes. million years ago on the That's toilet. That's
3: exactly right. Well, and we have an oversized toilet for that very reason.
1: Wouldn't that be great? A lot of
3: fun-sized toilet that, that you, know, you yes. totally can sit within. It
1: would be so flattering. <laughs> like, look at me. I'm so petite.
3: Yeah, exactly. You never feel like you have a big butt. Your butt or would a fall big right crap. in. crap. Exactly. Yeah. Which I often—that's something I judge myself about a lot. I'll look down. How endowed
1: bowl. your uh, how endowed your feces are. Is, but no, I try. You know, I'm ma'am. I'm
3: obviously very courteous with her. But lately, people have been saying to her in sort of casual ways like, "So you're pretty crazy to be dating a crazy person, or he's a crazy guy."
1: Do they mean like fun crazy or like no, crazy crazy? No, like crazy
3: crazy. crazy I hmm. think. Are you? Yeah, for sure. Right? I don't know. I mean, I'd have to be for so many people to be saying it behind my back. I mean, hey, also where apparently, there's smoke, there's apparently fire. I have a teeny weenie, <laughs> Is what I've been hearing also, but that's mostly I've been reading that online, and it's mostly my posts. You know, I post yeah. that in different chat forums, chat groups.
1: That's smart. I'm I and
3: using MSN uh, Messenger, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Updates.
1: Yeah. I saw that you have new skills regarding teeny weenies. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that.
1: Yeah. Um, So you just came from a table read of something involving Steve Martin.
3: Well, yeah. It's such a – it is a life memory. That's what Mm -hmm. I've been calling these things lately because one or two happen every year or so. It's pretty crazy. But this is the all-time because – Steve Martin was having a table read of his – he's developing a new musical project and he wanted to kind of hear the lines out loud. It's a very, very early stage. It may never go anywhere. It may be something that they end up staging down the line on Broadway or something. And I – you know, I don't really sing. I've sung in Second City but I'm not mm-hmm. like a singer. I'm not even really an actor. I'm just a comedian who's like a little too confident in his other <laughs> abilities and – um you know, so I, I've, but I realized my limitations, and I said to them, you know, I don't sing, and they go, oh no, no, no. he's recorded it beforehand with his partner, uh, who also wrote it, and she's, uh, I think Paul Simon's wife, and you know, he played these things off of his iPhone. He's like, this is the first time, and so we all. You know, went through and, and, and I I read for four different parts. And it's I would never be in a musical. I'm not like a guy who's going to be on Broadway. But he just, you know, I guess. One, and so and I, I used to watch his special with my mother like once a week almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I've seen it a thousand times. I, I listen to all his records. He was my all-time kind of stand-up comedy um, idol. And so it was just crazy to be in the room with him. It was so insane. So So surreal.
1: So, this was just so that he could get a sense of it. Yeah, they're
3: they're rewriting it and thinking Mm -hmm. about it and probably tightening it up. How
1: did you get involved in this?
3: They just called me. He's also at the same agency I am, WME. And so, you know, he, and I I don't know. I, I didn't know if he had. Yeah, seen
1: Yogi Bear. Yeah, 3D. I assume.
3: Right. Obviously, he's seen Yogi Bear 3D. Yeah. I assume everyone has. Right. It's insulting
1: has. to suggest he hasn't. Insulting well, to it's him. It's
3: insulting to suggest that anyone hasn't seen Yogi Bear 3D. But, <laughs> I, you know, I, he really – he is a real
1: – Yeah, what's he like?
3: He was. I was afraid he was going to be arrogant. Like, have you ever met one of your heroes? You know that saying, you never want to meet your heroes? Yeah. Have you ever met any
1: um, – I'm trying to think if I've ever walked away. I don't – yeah, I've definitely – well – I've definitely met famous people and walked away and thought that was a real asshole. But yeah. I have had experiences where I'm interviewing someone who's a hero of mine, wow. and that and that usually doesn't go as well as if it was just someone you know, like you. I'm just that you kidding. Could give
3: a shit about
1: right? Because I looks cause... like
3: a dump truck backed into Ryan Reynolds' face.
1: <laughs> right, right. Is that his face, or did his neck throw up?
3: Whoa! Or did his <laughs> forehead shit?
1: That's better than where I was going with that. Um, I think the death of a good interview is being overly deferential, but you also don't want to be a dick. And so that happens when it's your hero. But anyway.
3: So you have. Yeah. 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 I think that's a true thing about interviewing, you know, that you kind of want to be able to ask anything Mm -hmm. and also not be biased towards like, you're the greatest ever. I'm a huge fan of your work. It's hard to be critical of somebody that you just think they can do no wrong. Right. Right. But it was pretty crazy. He was really nice. I mean, he... I sort of went in and he said, oh, thank you so much for doing this. And, you know, I think they asked a bunch of people probably too. And they're like, no, I can't do it. I'm working. And I was like, sure. (laughs) I'll clear my schedule. I was just setting up all my toy trucks in a line today. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I went in and he kind of said thank you for doing this. And then we read. And it's not a really funny script. It's more of like a poignant period piece musical that has bluegrass intertwined in it.
1: Like a shop girl, but not at all.
3: Right. <laughs> like exactly like not at all like shop mm-hmm. girl. And, uh, you know, but it was really poignant and really amazing. I mean, he's a genius. He's like mm-hmm. an actual Renaissance man, genius, jack of all trades. Um, and so, yeah. And then when I left, I w- you know, I, had, I was like, I would, I would be remiss not to say that you're the reason that I got into comedy. And I think you've elevated comedy to an art. And, you know, thank you. What did he I said you know cuz I'm a comedian he goes no I mean I know obviously I know you know and I you know he goes no you're thank you and you're very, you're very good you were really good in the read thanks for doing it and I was like oh thanks And I ran away Do you feel I like- ran to the girls bathroom and fell into some bushes and giggled <laughs> for an hour and a half I did huh? I brought the bushes in from outside <laughs> You got to plant them in there. You got to bring a planter up. It's really a fucking pain in the ass.
1: But so worth it, right?
3: Well, at the end, yeah. I mean, mm. I get my. I don't know why I get thorn bushes because I get torn up yeah. all over my. Yeah. As you know, I only wear linen suits.
1: I do. I know. And there's cover. always tumbleweeds or like. What little are those thistles. little things? Thist- thistles. Yeah, is that what they're thistles called? Thistles and bristles. There's. the, the no, your isn't thistles burrs. and bristles. Burrs. Is that it? Yeah. I, it should be. Because they're like spurs, but they're. <laughs> Brown.
3: They're, they're burrs for your boots. They're yeah. spurs.
1: What, what is the point of those? Is it to spurs? keep someone from trying to fuck a plant?
3: A uh, oh, burrs. Oh, yeah, yeah, I feel like there's yeah, some absolutely. kind of
1: defense system for a plant. You
3: know, you know it's plants, if they didn't have all these thorns on them, you'd want to fuck them. They're soft. <laughs> yeah, they the foliage good. is like – yeah, they smell like a sometimes. vagina
1: sometimes. You've been smelling weird plants or weird vaginas.
3: Mostly vaginas that have been covered in leaves. Right. That is a fetish that I require my housemate Cheryl to
1: – How would you meet show. Cheryl?
3: Uh, who she – dates
1: crazy men. Yeah, she's – Namely you.
3: She's also a, a comedian. She's kind of a different kind of comedian. She's a ventriloquist and she does magic and – you know that, <laughs> that, trick where they've got the cups and the foam balls. Mm-hmm. Well, she can't do that yet. But I, <laughs> I, I keep telling her you need to put the time in. Yeah. If you want something, if she you wants need to, to be taken seriously. It. Yeah. She can't try and make money on that circuit.
1: Mm. He well, knows so, what I'm talking about. yo Yeah. He's uh he's an amateur magician. I, I enthusiast, can't. Enthusiast. I don't have enthusiast. the foam ball trick. Have you I ever? Mean,
3: can you do any magic trick? No. I spent. Can you do a magic trick?
1: Well, no, but I did spend a lot of time trying to learn how to do the Russian shuffle, which is where you go like, Drr- uh, Drr- rrr- rrr, with the cards. Uh, yeah, I, I documented the whole thing on my blog. It was great reading.
3: And you totally take it off. You, you,
1: it's It has to do with like squeezing the cards from one hand, like squeezing the deck till they kind of go oh, like, wow. but, but what happens is that you end up kind of, some go in your hand and then you overshoot and you just. You end up doing like 52-card
3: pickup with yourself all the time. Oh, And course. also
1: your fingers get a little raw.
3: I can cut a deck in one hand. I can do a one-hand cut.
1: See, you should be in Vegas.
3: I don't know about that. I mean I was last time and I ended up marrying a tranny hooker named Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Is I that... named him. Her. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Erzy. Uh. Uh, no, I could do that one-handed cut because of The Sting. You ever seen that movie, The Sting? Yes. It's my favorite movie. So Robert Redford or Paul Newman could do a one-handed cut. Mm. It's my favorite movie. I don't remember any who did what. But um, so I learned how to do that. But I think everybody should know how to do a magic trick. I do too. The bending knife. Do you guys do that? Oh well, yeah. Well, well I did the bending go. spoon. But... Well, that's a thing. Right. Well, I find that the spoon is already curved. It's not as impressive. A knife is a
1: – Yeah. You're right. So w- wait. But really, how would you meet Cheryl?
3: Uh, through, and, through comedy through and she the really is love of comedy. Yeah, she
1: really is a comedian. Mm-hmm. Does she really do magic and ventriloquism? I
3: think she could if she applied herself. <laughs> Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So she um, is she a stand up?
3: No, she's not a stand up. What is she? She's like an improviser and a an actress.
1: Have I seen her and stuff? Are you? Are you? Am I pushing? Uh, am I asking you stuff you don't want to talk about? No.
3: So I can talk about anything. I just sometimes like to. Hold that uh, Russian shuffle close to the chest, mm-hmm. right? That's a keeping your cards close to yeah. your chest reference.
1: I I got it. As
3: I call it, a cheffrance.
1: <laughs> I I got your cheffrance.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but
1: you, I'm asking anyway.
3: Oh yeah, she's no, she's a groundling. She's um, oh cool. So she's one of the groundling main company members.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, I mean, you know, it's fun. It's weird to be in a relationship. Are you in a relationship? I am. And how long have you guys been dating or married? Uh, or did you promise your hearts to one another? Betrothed? Betrothed. Ah. Uh, you'd re- he's received his dowry.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But you have it yet was, to consummate it was the marriage. In goats. <laughs> it was in um goats. thankful it's hard to find goats for a dowry these days. <laughs> it is. And they were in um a uh A cedar chest. Really? Yeah.
3: Can you take them out, it's illegal to have them in... I mean, I've been down that road.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's illegal
3: to have them in urban environments.
1: Well, here's the thing. There's so much shit going on in L.A. Mm. that they can't crack down on that anymore. I mean, someone can phone it in. Right, exactly. But otherwise, you're okay.
3: Yeah. Otherwise, they're never going to get your goat.
1: No, exactly. It's a chest with goats and ballet slippers like that um, magazine ad from many years ago. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we've been together... Um, it'll be two years in May. There you go. It's yeah. a year and a half. Yes. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and we've been living together since October. Hmm. So the living together part is new, but the relationship is not entirely new. I'm about to move
3: new. in to, we're about to move in together.
1: Mm-hmm. Into her place or into, into a her new place? Uh huh. How long have you guys been together?
3: Uh, year and a half, I guess. It's with well, July...
1: It's as if August. we all met around the same time. We sort of did. I know.
3: We were all at that party, and I was like, Allison, it's me,
1: TJ! And I was and like, here, like, get t- him talk out to of Cheryl. Here. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah.
3: Get that guy. You kicked me out of that party. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, I... You know, I think it's going to be weird, but I sort of already live there now. Mm-hmm. And I also travel a lot. You know, I do stand-up. Do you travel? You guys do the –
1: We do, but not nearly as much as someone like stand-up you. Stand-up would, yeah. yeah.
3: And so, I, you know, I'm out of town. I'm trying to be out of town less for a number of reasons. What are some of those reasons? But part uh, Cheryl just, is I, one. I'm gonna, yeah, I need to kind of slow down with – I need to kind of slow down and figure – I did a lot of work. And did a lot of things all at once just because I was in that sort of mindset. And then now I feel like I need to kind of take more time to write new stand-up. And, you know, I want to become a better writer and a better stand-up and kind of stop making things at such a rate. I just had a little too much on my plate and most of it was self-generated work. I Mm -hmm. sort of made work for myself. And it was I it just seems so stressed all the time. It's not fun to talk to people, and they're like, "Hey, when can we hang out?" And I'm like, "How about September?"
1: What was it that was driving you? I mean, I, I feel like in this industry there is this thing where it's very it's frightening to say no
3: or to turn something down. Yeah, but see, I would make things. Oh, I would like you know I made a a huge web series that was like a. You know the biggest deal I my company has ever made. It was like a six figure deal to try and create a really big. It's on Rides TV backslash RVC. It's really cool. It interacts with your technology. I did it with my partner Nick Vatterot. and um, you know so I did that and and I, I kind of made what, what's this it music album. Um, it's called uh, RVC, The Lone Shopping Network. It's like a behind-the-scenes of a home shopping <laughs> network, but they're the second-worst home shopping network on television. Oh, that sounds really funny. So it is funny. and uh, It is really, really funny. You've seen it? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. and I, People like it. It's pretty weird. It's, it was like doing a TV show because the pilot and the first episode kind of weren't – we sort of hit our stride. Like I'd like to make more of them – But the company that's doing it is sort of struggling right now. So we'll see what happens with that. People should watch it. That's why people should Mm. go and watch it. Um, And then I – you know, before that I had made a music album and I remixed that music album myself. And that was all sort of like undertaking thousands of hours of work and a big investment because I just wanted to do this joke because I just thought this thing was so funny to sort of satirize celebrity (laughs) cross-branding. And so – and so that's really what ultimately drives me. It's mm-hmm. just these things where I'm like, this would be so funny. I've got to do this or I would like to do this for this audience. You know, I do, I do a lot of voiceover. I'm on like a Disney show and another – because I, I sort of am like you know, I should be contributing to creating laughter for kids also even though I don't like to relate to them. I'm not mm-hmm. going have a conversation with them. Well, that, the that's more that reason that you have
1: to give back to them.
3: Right, exactly. Because I you don't want to. Because whenever I see them, I try and kick them into the ditch. Mm-hmm. What? If there's not a ditch, I'll dig one near them. It's smart. Yeah.
1: What Disney show?
3: Gravity Falls. I play this guy Robbie, the kind of older, sulking, goth musician boyfriend <laughs> of the sort of the main kid's older sister. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, do you really not want to have kids?
3: No, I yeah I do. I mean, I have I have two children living in a well in Nebraska. Mm,
1: are you going to invite them into the new place that you're going to live in with Cheryl? You don't
3: know, no, they're comfortable there. You know, it's a two bedroom, two bath well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm I know. Serious. I would like to have kids. What about you?
1: Yes, I would like to. You want to have
3: kids together? You're saying? I would like. Seems to. Seems aggressive, especially since we're both in relationships.
1: Yeah. Do you think that she would mind? Because I feel would. Like I actually had would a conversation
3: be. with her about. Uh, An orgy because two comedians – you know Moshe Kasher and Natasha Leggera? Yes. So they were sort of hypothesizing about like could you have a – like a comedy orgy like where you had all the comedians that sort of are friends. Could they have an orgy as sort of an experience of what this thing would be Mm -hmm. or would it be too disastrous? Disastrous to the
1: relationships or disastrous because everyone will be standing outside of it talking about it? Disastrous
3: to the relationships – also, everybody would go back and have ammunition. Yeah, people are going to find out about teeny peens. <laughs> the guys don't come out. You know, they come up short in that arena, right? And so, you know that that would be my main worry. You know, for myself, but for everybody else, yeah, I think it just it wouldn't work. It doesn't, I, and I think that stuff ends up. You know, I think monogamy is is a weird thing in general. That's definitely a societal thing, mm-hmm. but I think. As you get older, you realize, like, the trade-off is worth it. Right. I think. And, you know, I don't know. So, and seeing your partner have sex with someone else probably would create more problems than it's worth to have sex with a couple other girls. But I don't know. Well. I've never been in an orgy. I've just been in a series of foursomes that happen in seven rooms in one house.
1: Like a French farce.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> uh would you would you would think I you have guys ever swing? No. No, no I I think about everything way too much. <laughs> really? I mean having sex with one person is already a little bit too much.
3: Oh right. <laughs> she agrees.
1: <laughs> Not really. Um no, I I don't have an interest in that. Um and I don't think he does, but if he does, he hasn't voiced it to me. And I hope it's not because I haven't made him feel comfortable letting me know that he'd like to have an orgy. Right. But I don't know. I remember when a friend of mine told me that he and his girlfriend go to sex parties. And I thought, I don't know you at all. That's weird. But yay? I don't know. Um, Yeah. I think it's a bad
3: thing. But certainly, yeah, if I found that out, I'd be like, whoa, really? Right.
1: See, can you hook up with people and have it mean nothing like, like you're in a relationship right now. Could you go hook up with someone on the road and it me- would mean nothing to you?
3: No. And I also i am impotent unless I'm comfortable with a girl. Mm-hmm. I sort of can't get the whole thing going unless I'm like excited about it. And a lot of girls, uh, you know, even attractive ones, sometimes especially attractive ones if they're dumb as a stiff old board. Mm-hmm. Which they usually are, right? They can be. I mean not you obviously in this case. Thank you. You're beautiful and you have the charm.
1: But in the thanks. wit of
3: a young Bill Cosby. <laughs> I, get what? That. I get that a lot. It's, you, do you? <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. your sweater. It <laughs> must be also your sweater. Um, yeah. You know, so I I, I don't – yeah, I didn't do a lot of one-nights. I don't do a lot of one-nights. Mm-hmm. But I, if I enjoy somebody sometimes – I had had relationships where we're sort of friends with benefits. Mm-hmm. That's a tough, that's a sticky situation also.
1: Yes. Well, I used to refer to those as relatio friendships in that they were more than friendship, less than relationship. I had a lot of those, but it was always that I had feelings for the guy and-
3: You were just agreeing- It's like a surrogate. It it was like a surrogate
1: kind of thing. Yeah, because I would be like the main female in his life and he was like the main, you know, I mean, like there was no one else in our lives really at that point, but- it wasn't truly a relationship. And right. I mean, obviously, like, there was obviously, for whatever reason, the guy didn't just didn't want to be with a young Bill Cosby in that way, you know? It's mm. painful. Well,
3: it's a weird thing, you know? I mean, it, and it's that's also why a relationship ends up being much more satisfying because you can kind of I don't know. It's more about you don't have to
1: pretend that you're not feeling something.
3: Yeah, you don't have to control your feelings as much, and you're doing more maintenance on like. The relationship itself, and mm-hmm. you're building. It feels like you're building something instead of constantly telling the other person, "Like, now don't build anything. We both agreed yeah, not to build anything, right? right? No, but you're not building more than I am, are you? Because we're only allowed to go this. Mm-hmm. So I've
1: salted the ground right here. Right, so right,
3: right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking a <laughs> in case any toddlers walk by.
1: <laughs> exactly.
3: Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely. I don't know, but I, I, I. It, it's also hard. But on the flip side, it's hard to have a relationship when you travel so much. Not because there's chicks out there and you're like, let's fucking do this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, but because you're just out of town a lot. Right. You're not in town to be able to be consistent. More pressure is put on the time that you're in town than if you were here 365 days a year. I sort of realized a little while ago I could never sort of have the relationship that my father has with my mother because I don't offer the same things that my father does.
1: Like but being in knows.
3: town? Yeah, like stability, a certain amount of vacation a year, just being present. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had my druthers, I'd be gone half the month. And even without my druthers, I would be still. – I'm still going to be gone like one week out of the month.
1: But on, you – if if you had your druthers because you enjoy being on the road that much? Yeah,
3: if I, if I really <laughs> could do it all like that, I would just be on the road – yeah, half the time we're three weeks out of every four. So I, do, do you, I like doing comedy. I do you
1: feel funny. like you're sacrificing by deciding you're not going to do it as much?
3: No, because I think it's positive for me to – I sort of perform and, and work compulsively. And so it's sometimes good to sort of relax and spend time doing other stuff like exercising and reading books and watching movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because I really – I would – since I was – 23 i I really worked every seven nights a week just all the time
1: is that when you started doing comedy
3: yeah um, and even when I was in college I was still like all the time going to this improv group and writing for it and you went just, to I do a lot George Washington
1: intense. University yeah is that in DC
3: yeah it's like a city school in DC hmm
1: but you're from Denver right
3: yeah I'm I was sort of born and raised in the 303 the area code not the band mm-hmm
1: There's a band called the 303?
3: Oh, yeah. They're electropop. Oh, my God.
1: My knowledge of numerical bands stopped at 311.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you can't remember all of them. It's like trying to remember phone numbers nowadays.
1: Yeah. But also you're not in the 973. That's a Colorado number, isn't it? Or is that New Jersey?
3: Oh, damn it. God okay. damn it. It's OK. Damn Do you it. know your boyfriend's uh, phone number by heart?
1: No. And I keep <gasps> wanting to memorize it.
3: I keep telling myself I should. No,
1: because I don't think he knows mine, though. We just have each other programmed in our phones. But I, was I don't made know to learn my it. number.
3: I was made to learn it at gunpoint. Really? That's smart. She really felt strongly that I should learn it. I feel
1: strongly it. that we should know each other's number. You and me, I'm talking about. Yeah,
3: I think you um, should. But also,
1: my boyfriend and, and I should know each other's numbers in case our phones die and we need to reach each other from, some cell phone or from a pay phone or something. But anyway, um, wait, what made you get into performing?
3: Uh, you know, I'm hilarious. I'm really, I don't know if you've heard the podcast so far, or if you've yeah. you know, been around me for an extended period of time, but mm-hmm. I'm really quite amusing. It's mostly faces, funny faces, and noises. You know, I do a great old car horn. You know that or no? Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good one. Yeah,
1: that's great. And so,
3: you know, but I I was sort of making car horn noises at an early age.
1: I feel like I'm in a Norman Rockwell painting or something.
3: I mean, you sort of are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I just was funny in high school and won the class. I was the president of our school in high school because I had a really funny speech. I never did student politics mm-hmm. or any of that stuff and I was a terrible terrible president. Not terrible. I tried to set, you know, lead by example. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that example was bad. Okay. But uh were you a good student? Yeah, I was a pretty good student. I was always good at testing and essays for the most part. But awful behavior, just hated by, reviled by most teachers.
1: Because, cause you were a class clown.
3: Yeah, just very disruptive. I guess that's mostly it. Disruptive, a little bit of like getting into trouble here and there, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. What was the worst thing you did?
3: Um, in high school. Yeah,
1: or just in school in general, in terms of getting in, in trouble. In high
3: school, I, uh, I got in. Let's see, I did a lot of dumb things in high school. I got in trouble for drinking at the prom when we were elected. The first thing that we did was everybody went to the prom of – we're all juniors – of the Mm -hmm. seniors to study the prom because that's a big thing in high school and figure out what our prom was going to be.
1: Like what your theme was going to be? And
3: I went and we all drank, of course, before we went because the school was like – was kind of a ghetto school in Denver, Mm -hmm. uh, Colfax, and they just sort of – You know, everybody was drinking and I, of course, got caught drinking and they had to suspend me for six weeks from- Wow, six weeks? Being the class president. Oh. Yeah, not from school. school. I think I was suspended from school for like three days maybe.
1: Wow. Were your parents disappointed? Did they care?
3: They came in and really had my back. That's the great thing about them. They always have my back. But I mean, yeah, they were like, you're a fucking idiot, you know? That's kind of more what it's like. They weren't happy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But you didn't smoke pot till your late twenties, right?
3: Yeah, I never smoked marijuana, and maybe too, too sort of paranoid. That was one problem with it. And then I just kind of didn't like it. I'd always my mother had always was really against marijuana, and I also always thought that it made you stupid. You know, I really thought that people were kind of burnouts if they smoked too much weed. And I always liked alcohol much more. Mm-hmm. Wait, do you
1: not think it makes them stupid anymore, though? I I know that a lot of our friends are stoners. I know that you smoke a lot of pot. But I do find that a lot of people who I think are stupid when they're not stoned, I'm like, oh, it was just the pot.
3: No, really? you stupid. Yeah.
1: Some people seem stupid when they're stoned. I
3: do. I must say I think it makes – it definitely makes people dumb still. Yeah, Sure. But or the times that
1: a... I I'm like oh this is what it would be like to be stupid
3: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> when
1: I'm you know I mean I haven't been stoned in a long time but well, that, I remember thinking that a long time that's ago that's the
3: thing I think too because most of the people that I know that get high are like it's they're very active when they do it and very mm-hmm. focused and it's sort of like a I don't know it's like Adderall or something like that yeah for
1: them. maybe it just affects people differently
3: I think it does because I know you know one of my smartest friends Jay Bereshaw. Is, you know, an avid marijuana user and he's just – you know, sometimes I think, well, what would he be like if he wasn't getting high? But maybe a disaster. You Mm -hmm. know, Doug Benson said something interesting. I said, have you ever missed a flight? You know, just thinking like he smokes a lot of weed. Right. And uh, he was like, "Nope, never. I was like, are you kidding? I've missed more – I've almost missed more flights than I've made. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, No, no, I you know, I get up at six A.m. every day. I'm very like O C D about all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, You are kind of. You always want to know exactly when we're gonna get here. You have very specific instructions for how to get into the podcast taping, all that stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and I he said, his ability to make connections, which to me is something that uh like my connections just get all weird if I'm stoned. Right, right. But you know, he tracks all the conversations that are happening around him when he's stoned.
3: Yeah, he's a really smart guy. And I think, you know, and I said Geez, you know, you think you're a stoner, you'd be like that, you know, but you're kind of the opposite. And he's like, well, imagine how much worse I would be if I wasn't getting high. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
3: That was an interesting thing too. So I think for some people it really is, it's almost like a medicine, like taking Xanax, people who are on, you know, whatever anti-anxiety drug all the time, I think it can be that for some people. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not as bad for you as alcohol. I've kind yeah. of like slowed down and don't really ever get drunk anymore.
1: Right. Now, some of that for is a lot because of, reasons. of, of the, the ABM. AVM.
3: Whoa! Now you have to buy me a Coca Cola Classic.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Uh, You're tell too us, fine with it. I yeah. Love it. Yeah. Tell us what that stands for
3: um, arteriovenous malformation.
1: Right. So you had an aneurysm in your brain,
3: right? No, it was. I had a malformation since I was born in my right frontal lobe, and that bled. It hemorrhaged. So I had two seizures. And then I went to Cedar sinai because my agent is – one of my agents is Ari Emanuel. Mm-hmm. So his brother is a famous doctor in D.C. and called and got me into the ICU at Cedar sinai for neurology. And I was the only one that could talk. Let me put it this way. Everybody's yeah. having such serious brain problems. And um And so they like immediately operated and removed a part of my brain.
1: How big do you do you know how big that's like a golf
3: ball size? Like a little smaller than a golf Mm -hmm. ball. But I wasn't using it anyway. I had sort of the human brain is amazing. If you it's damaged early on, it will still develop and use different parts of itself and parts will double up. So it's pretty you know, it's pretty crazy. But usually an AVM is found in autopsy. That Mm -hmm. was sort of the why it was such a big deal. Because they're like usually people die from this. Or you never find it. But only point oh oh one. it's such a small percentage of people that have them in the United States or in the world. And uh, But I was very lucky. Usually you have an aneurysm, which yeah. kills you, or a stroke, and then you're left incapacitated. Um, but because of Yogi Bear 3D, I had these seizures instead. And uh, after that, yeah, they said they were like, well, you can't drink until you're – you can't get drunk anymore. He's like, you never want to get blackout drunk. It's like, well, can I have a beer or something? He's like, yeah. You can have a beer. You just can't. And I'm very – I stay very, very hydrated and I mm. just sleep 16 hours in every um, Night? 48
1: 16 right.
3: before eight. So how, what does that mean your sleep schedule is? It just means that I try and get eight hours every single mm-hmm. night. But if I don't, then I have to sleep. So sometimes if I only get four hours of sleep and something crazy happens, uh-huh. the next day I'll, like, nap for, like, five yeah. hours in the afternoon. It's do you ever funny. get insomnia? No. I, I think because I work so much. Mm-hmm. I work so much and expend so much energy during the day. The second I touch a, a bed, I... Why,
1: why do you have to get sleep? With a little
3: feather above. My... a... <laughs>
1: Like Big Bird,
3: yeah, exactly. Um,
1: Why do you have to get sleep and why can't you drink?
3: Because I can't do anything that's really hard on my brain, and those things actually. The real thing was in when I was doing Yogi Bear 3D. I was sort of drinking consistently, while. Not sleeping at all, sleeping like two hours, three hours a night, then working for 16 hours. So, it's sort of exhaustion, physical exhaustion, mm-hmm. mixed with not sleeping, which is very, very hard on your brain. I didn't you know? realize
1: that, yeah. that it actually had a physical impact on your brain.
3: People don't realize that it's very stressful for your yeah. brain not to have that recharge time. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, these are just, and drinking kind of affects the brain a well, little it kills bit more. Well, it
1: kills brain cells, right? Yeah, it
3: kills brain cells, and it also just makes your. It just makes your brain not function as well. And so because of that, you can't – you know, you can't put those stresses on your brain. Mm -hmm. I take an anti-seizure medication, two actually, one that's like a – for psychiatric reasons where it's just like to slow down my – the biology of how manic my brain Mm -hmm. is and the other one to sort of try and watch over seizures. But the chances of me getting a seizure now are like – Incremental, they're almost almost as much as yours.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So wait, so okay, so you're doing Yogi Bear 3D. Mm -hmm. You're not sleeping. You're drinking a lot. Not taking care of yourself, and this brought on the hemorrhaging. Yes,
3: and very depressed. You know, if you live in sort of a depressed state,
1: where were you? It's
3: also tough on your brain. In New Zealand, Mm -hmm. which wasn't helping, because I was on the other side of the world at the opposite time. Right. Of all my friends and family and it was – you're sort of in the forest talking to cartoon bears, which are just ping pong balls on a stick.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that – were you, were you depressed because you were lonely or like do you know just what a the bunch of reasons. was?
3: Yeah, it's sort of broken up with my longest relationship to date. You know, it was really – it was just a weird series of events and lots of stuff that was kind of came together mm-hmm. to yet yeah, to make me have a seizure – and my brain started bleeding while I was doing Yogi bird 3D. Just very, 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 very little.
1: And the effect of that – I, I listen to you on Pete Holmes' podcast. So yeah. I know some of this. But my listeners might not. Although I love
3: Pete Holmes' podcast. Me too. Um, I hate my podcast.
1: I like your podcast. Well, thank you, Allison. You're welcome. Uh, it's actually
3: Cash levies. It's cashing in with TJ Miller. So it's Cash. Okay. It's his podcast. I hate his though. But I love being on – yeah. I love being on his but I hate the podcast.
1: Well, I like it. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, okay. So, you were you were acting weird and people noticed that you were being weird, right? Yeah,
3: not no I sort of on the, everybody was acting weird on the show because it was so there's so many difficult aspects to making that film.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, everybody sort of was like losing it, kind of. And so I think in that way everyone was just like, well, he's the craziest of them, so he's going the most crazy. Were
1: you guys not losing it together?
3: We like, sort of were. Okay. Anna Ferris and I were.
1: There was a camaraderie of it. Yeah, using and Nate
3: Cordry and so – yeah, and I mean everybody was. Andy mm-hmm. Daly was kind of like with his toddler and his wife and he's like, I can't believe I'm out of here. He's the best. I mean we all loved each other and the director was fucking awesome. Everybody was great. There's only one person that was awful in that whole thing and the cast, the entire cast was amazing. But it just still it was, you know, I had a lot of bad stuff going on. I like couldn't sleep unless I listened to interviews of people that I was friends with. I like mm-hmm. needed to hear my friends yeah, talking like about really things homesick. of substance. It's really, really weird. Yeah, totally. Also. And so I came back and was at a meeting, thank goodness, in Beverly Hills with my managers and with Nick Vaderot. And I was, this is all true. I was pitching like a horror movie that I had been thinking about because I was writing and doing shit nonstop in New Zealand. Like, if I wasn't shooting, was it I was. Was it good working
1: stuff, also. though, or was it brain damage? Some of it was good. Stuff.
3: Some of it's crazy. Some of it was good. And we got really into tanglement puzzles, mm-hmm. which are these puzzles that and- you have to. Get untangled. Right,
1: and weren't you also like you have you were saying that you'd have a conversation with someone and you'd sort of tell them what you're going to tell them?
3: Yeah, I could, I I could sort of. I thought, you know, because when you're crazy, you don't think that you're crazy, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, I had thought I was like, well, I'm just now getting to a new level of the way that I'm thinking about stuff and it must be from like
1: a new clarity. different
3: surroundings. And I kind of was like maybe it's because I'm – I sort of did this movie as a joke and I'm living inside of a joke. Maybe that's helping me be clearer about comedy. So it got pretty heavy duty. Yeah, and I would tell people, you know, listen, I'm I'm going to – I would sort of give them a roadmap of what my – of what our, my entire statement was going to be and it would always end with a compliment or I would be able to like – call it back to the first thing I said, or it was a play on words that involved the first word mm. of the first sentence and the last word of the last sentence. It's like Gary Busey. It's pretty crazy stuff. Is that what he's like?
1: Um, <laughs> no, not not to that degree. But, well, I can't tell how crazy people thought you were when you were talking, but he'll, he just does like a lot of, he'll be like, TJ Miller, T. Taurus. I mean, that's uh, actually so he just does word poems and yeah. just a lot of stuff with letters and words and all that in a I mean, crazy way.
3: It was sort of like that, and my managers hadn't told me, but they were like, "Is he on drugs out there? He just must be on drugs."
1: Okay, so and, people were could tell. Yeah, but didn't.
3: Yeah, and my mother was like, "Oh boy, he's really having a tough time out there." Um, and my friend, you know, thought I was acting crazy, but I don't know. He's pretty crazy too, Nick Vatteron. Mm-hmm. And um, But it got really bad. It's like the movie said it was going to end at this one point. It kept pushing back the end date. So it was this weird thing of like – How long were you there? Like five months or something. Oh, geez. Like a really long time, like almost six months. And it just went on and on and on and it was so weird. We would travel in private cars to the forest. So we would have to get up in the morning at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., for a 7 a.m. call and drive. And then the, once we got to this forest, Woodhills, we'd have to drive 45 minutes into the middle of the forest to where we were shooting. It was crazy. All the crew was New Zealand. They're all Kiwis. Mm-hmm. It was pretty weird. And so I had these seizures and then
1: – You had seizures there?
3: No, when I got that was, back.
1: Right. OK. And do you have any – mem? What? how much do you remember of that?
3: Oh, I for, I didn't finish the story. I was pitching – a horror movie that I had thought of while I was out there, and as I was describing like the scary part where somebody was going to be killed, I like went all, oh, oh, and they thought it was part of the pitch. <laughs> Sorry, and I felt no, that. it is, it's hilarious. So yeah, I was like, ah, 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 and fell on the ground, and they're like, wow, he's really committed to this bit." <laughs> That's what somebody said out loud. And they're like, "Oh no, he's not breathing. Let's call an ambulance."
1: Did you feel especially weird before that?
3: I don't know. I no, no. no. I just was. Very, It felt the way I had felt all through New Zealand, which was, like, very depressed but very manic. Yeah. And, you know, it just is a weird state to be in and I was sort of – I mean, I was acting pretty crazy. I was, like, at that point, started dating the girl that was across the hall from me who worked at Jumbo's Clown Room and it was it was a crazy one. So, yeah, but I – you know, so I they, don't remember anything. I remember we got coconut shrimp – And I thought it was great. And I was waiting for the entree and pitching this thing. And I woke up in an ambulance. I was like, what is going on? Like, you just had a seizure. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, this is just terrible. But I felt fine. And then when I got to the emergency room, I had another seizure. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And that's when they got me to Cedar sinai And then I woke up. I mean, you've heard. I told the story on Pete Holmes' podcast, but – I woke up and this nurse is like, your doctor isn't here. He's out of the country, but a proxy will be in to see you in just a second. I was like, "Okay, where am I? What's happening? And then this robot (laughs) wheeled in with like a Skype chat of this guy who's in Germany. And he's like, hi, I'm your doctor. And I was like, robot doctor. (laughs) I thought I'd woken up in the future. I was like, is this the future? Mm. It wasn't. No. It's it's just just the highest end of. Yeah. When you're in a serious heavy-duty hospital, that's the deal.
1: So you were talking a little bit about your fear that that you'd come out of the surgery and be changed because they're taking part of your brain out. The idea that you would wake up and you, what if you weren't funny anymore?
3: Yeah, that was a weird. I had to sort of mull that over and figure out awkwardly how to ask the internist because, like, um, so can I ask you a question? He's like, Yeah, sure. He was explaining, you know, ten percent of these surgeries end in fatalities. And mm-hmm. But if you didn't a, have
1: the surgery, what would have happened? He
3: sort of implied he's like, you cannot get it, and it might be fine for the rest of your life, or you might die in your mid thirties. And I was yeah. like, let's roll the dice. Yeah, I like did, was it 10. an
1: instant decision for you, or did yeah, you totally, actually? Totally. Okay,
3: I didn't really have to mull it over. What was I going to do? Live in fear, or sort of, you know, yeah. not have any fear and go into it and then see what happened on the other side. Um. And I I sort of ended up taking care more of the people, my mother and all these people started saying, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Um, Just because I don't get in that. I don't know. That's just, you know, I really am at the heart of everything kind of an absurdist. Like Mm -hmm. I really believe it's all nonsense. It's all very ridiculous. We're very lucky to even be here. There's no sense to be made out of it and no way we'll be able to while we're here. So we should just try and make other people happy and you know, after that make ourselves happy, and that should be the deal. And so I I, I remember my first thought, he's like, you know, these are very dangerous surgeries. It's open you we open your head and we it's open brain surgery. And I was like, Yeah. Um well let's do it. And I remember thinking well, it's you know, it's been a really good life. If this is kind of how it ends, I've been really lucky so far. There are much worse mm-hmm. situations to have been in. If my life happens to be a shorter life, that's just different than somebody who has a longer life. You know, none of us imagine in our minds that we're going to die young, but all I was right. like, all right, I guess that's the deal. It's too bad I wasn't able to have kids.
1: Do you think that that was truly I don't want to chip away at all at that cuz that's yeah. like so um, but I'm going to anyway. Do you think that's truly how you felt, or do you think that you were in shock a bit, and that was your initial feeling about it? Because I like, okay, my this is not at all the same. But my right. dad had a heart attack years ago, and he 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 lived. He was very lucky. But yeah. um, you know, I was there for the whole. It was dramatic and the whole thing, and I was driving, uh, you know, following the ambulance and thinking, well, if he dies, you know, that's okay. Like I, you know, I, I wish he'd had gotten to you know give me away at my wedding or see my kids but i've had you know i feel okay about this but i think granted loss of a parent not at all the same as what you're talking about but i think that that was just my initial feeling about it because i was like so shocked by everything
3: well i you know it's interesting i mean i think for one thing there you're trying to grapple with what I think is the only bad thing about death, which is how it affects the living. Yeah. So you were sort of like, you know what, I, I'll be able to deal with this. And of course, if he had died, you would be mourning his loss for years. Right. You know, and but I, I sort of I was raised an atheist and I and I also kind of have this sort of belief system that incorporates you know, comedy and the work that I do and, you know, a view of the world and reality. That is such that it it doesn't – when you die, it's – the only bad part about dying is the anxiety that you feel while you're still alive Mm -hmm. just towards that ending part. If you die, like, you know, unfortunately our great friend and one of the greatest comedians, Pat Bryce from Chicago, when I first started out, he died like when I first moved to L.A. Very young. He's an incredibly talented comedian. He was just getting signed in place and was going to do voiceover. And it was really, really a tragedy. Like one of the few. That tread- he die? He just went to sleep and didn't wake up. Oh. He was at this wedding. And, you know, they all went out and everybody was hanging out just like they always would. And then he just was dead in the morning. And, um, you know, they. It's. I think that's fine for him. It's so sad. It's a tragedy for all mm-hmm. of us. But for him, he doesn't know. He. Yeah, that's way better than getting colon yeah. cancer and going through all this stuff. So, you know, for me, I kind of – I I don't think – yeah, I don't think really I was I was really scared. I, You know, it, mm-hmm. and it's not – I don't know because I think it's almost sort of selfish to be like, wait a second. How come I don't get to live longer? It's like, well, yeah. it's not your fucking decision. Right. You don't have anything to do with it. Right. This isn't about you. It's much bigger than you and you don't totally get it. So you should just be appreciative and thankful and kind of move on. I was mostly worried that it would affect my parents, that it would just totally break my mother's heart, just like it would if my sister died, Mm -hmm. any of my sisters. And, um, you know, I think that it's – that was a concern. I was thinking about that and I was worried about that and kind of had to comfort my mother and those were very emotional moments. Right. My father was kind of like, "It's gonna be fine." He's like stoic. Well, he's yeah, he's like me in that way. Um, Yeah, stoic is a great adjective for him. And um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. I'm trying to like understand this better. But I, I don't like, you know, an audition to me is like a performance. I never go into an audition and I'm like. Oh, my God. How is this going to go? Like early on, I was never nervous doing stand-up. I was just anxious that I was going to sort of misfire and waste these people's time and also have to feel that sort of terrible feeling of bombing. Mm -hmm. But, you know.
1: Do you get attached to outcomes of things?
3: I, I, I had this thing happen like a year or two ago, really where I was attached at this movie to star in this movie at Sony. And it was a great script. It was by Scott Armstrong, this guy who wrote The Hangovers with Todd Phillips and wrote Hangover 2 and, you know, so just really, really, really funny dude. And he had written this part and he kind of knows me and likes me and had written it for me. It was just a great, you know... It was it was really a dream come true. It was crazy. It was like this amazing thing that's going to happen. And Sony had green it and my deal was done and we were going to shoot in October. And then I got this call when I was on 3rd Street outside of Magnolia Bakery waiting for Charlotte to finish paying for something. And they called and my agent, Sharon Shinewall is like my main agent. She called and she's like, Sony is not going to do this movie. You know, they've decided not to do it. And I just dropped everything in my hands. And that was I sort of had to mourn the loss of that mm-hmm. for a few days. But no, like, you know, I my pilot didn't get picked up. You know, pilots are the biggest things you can get attached to. Yeah. They could be if they're a successful T V show, you're just like rich and set and it's so fun and all that. And if it's even if you hate the cast members, you can still still have a great amount of success. And then but most of them don't get picked up. So everybody has builds these hopes and wishes and dreams and then it crashes down. But I I sort of am able to move on from that usually within twenty four hours, forty eight hours. Because I just I do so much Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and work so hard that I just I feel like things will come to you the harder you work, and if you're nice to everybody, right? And I work pretty hard, and I try and be as nice as possible. So, and I, you know, I've been very lucky in that way to kind of usually have stuff on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So no, not too too much. Do you –
1: do you get depressed or was that an anomaly that you were depressed in New Zealand?
3: Yeah, I don't get depressed that much. I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I tend to be pretty happy with stuff. I get stressed out a lot to the point of really it being, I think, unhealthy sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Like what kind of things stress you out?
3: Just too much work. Not being yeah. able to get enough stuff done. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it stresses me out trying to, like, balance work with a relationship. That mm-hmm. sort of is what is hardest on my relationships. Um, Those things sort of stress me out. And I get – sometimes I'll get sort of sad or feel down about stuff, but it doesn't usually last very long. Mm-hmm. If I was bipolar, I'd be much more on the manic side than the depressive side. Right. Um.
1: Real, Real quick, I want something I was just – wondering about when you had that fear of after the surgery if you're not funny anymore but did you think that you would know that you weren't? Does that question make sense?
3: Yeah, I guess the scariest thing about that, because I said to him, I go you know, is it going to affect like how I am? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well I sort of make money being sort of funny and Forgive me, charismatic. I'm like talking to this doctor trying <laughs> right. to be like, am I still going to be fun to be around? <laughs> Will I be a hit at parties? Like I didn't know how to say it. Yeah. And uh, he kind of said, um, I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. And that was it. That's all he gave me and kind of walked away. And I was like, "God damn it. And I think what was scary is that when I was in New Zealand, I knew that I was sort of going crazy. Mm-hmm. But it felt more like a – um, Jack Kerouac, Hunter S. Thompson type of crazy. I was romanticizing it. Mm-hmm. And – but I didn't like really Like it was know. the wilderness that was I making didn't I didn't think that I didn't have control over my mind and I sort of didn't. So I was like, if I come back and I'm not funny, yeah, I maybe I would think that I do, but that's just because I have a very internal locus of control, right? And but I might not. I might come back and be like, guys, I'm still funny, and then not at all, and not totally get why people don't think I'm funny. Yeah, that that was the scariest thing actually was that I would live through the operation and be changed in a way that was, you know, just like if I lost my voice. That'd be a huge hit for my gravity show. It'd be a big problem for the Disney, for my part in the Disney show. They just replaced me. How did with a d- drag queen that's been singing her heart out for the last three days?
1: Right. What was her name? It was you, Glish or something. Herblish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did uh... that's definitely not it. Oh God damn it! I had a question. It was right there. It was no. How did you realize that you weren't changed?
3: I don't. I think I was changed. I, oh. mean, I think this hasn't been a very funny interview, and that's not your fault. You know, I Thank think you. it's mine.
1: Well, no, I um.
3: I become very grave. You know, I go to funerals and I kind of sa- saddle up next to somebody and I just literally put a saddle on them and try to, get, <laughs> try to ride them out of the place and say, "Yeah, yeah." You know, it's very serious things. I don't know. I mean, I I don't. There are plenty of people that probably would say that I. I'm less funny now than I, you know, was before. That I'm not funny at all.
1: Do you really think that's the case?
3: Oh yeah, I think there's. Look, people talk about it on Twitter, man. That you're changed, or no, just not funny. No, no, that no, not just funny. That I'm not funny. But they might not have thought you were funny that's to begin true, with. Too. They might just be haters. No, I don't think. You know, I don't think anything changed. It's you know, the, my main neurologist said. He goes, I don't think it'll do anything because. You're not using this part of your brain anyway. It's all malformed. It's blood vessels and arteries that don't work. Mm-hmm. He's like, so we take it out. It'd just be like taking out your appendix or something. And I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. But maybe I would have been funnier if I never got the operation. Think about or that.
1: maybe you'd be dead. Think yeah, about which that.
3: I would be better. You well, know?
1: with your bleak outlook on life. Yeah. But it's not bleak. That's you saying that. Yeah. I imagine.
3: Right, exactly. Is it bleak? no. I mean, I I generally think it's you know it's pretty fun, but I uh, the, you know it's split too. I think all of us have you know sometimes are of one opinion, sometimes the other. But you know it's split with this idea that like ultimately life is really quite tragic because there's so much suffering and people, you know, are searching for meaning and there isn't any, and there's a lot of sad things mm-hmm. in the world. I mean, you, you know, have you seen Precious? Yeah. 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 Say no more. So, you know that, and I think that's why you need comedy. Because I I don't think I would never be a very good politician, and even if I was, I think that there's in in a way they're limited in the scope of what they can do that Mm -hmm. benefits humankind. And I don't value that any more than some you know making somebody laugh and forget their problems for an hour and a half. I think each of those are of equal value, and you should be trying to make people happy anyway. So, I do it in a way that's like a drug pusher, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm like, here's an immediate sort of escape, and I'll see you later. I'll see you when you can afford to come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you guys, it's me, Allison, again. Just wanted to remind you that you can get part two of this interview bright and early Thursday morning, or even probably most likely, I think, definitely late Wednesday night. So, write it on your hand and write it on your friend's forehead because you don't want to forget. I love you. Hey, do you know
2: about the Alison Rosen show?
0: at all.